Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Pilot Podcast. I am Jared Cornut, and I am joined by Matt Hensley and Alan Murray, and we are all sweating our faces off, whether yes. in Dallas or in the greater Wilmington, North Carolina area. Matt, how are you? I'm doing good, but as you said, it is very hot, though we did get a small respite this morning with a little bit of a shower, but all of that means... I hear! You know is it's going to be even more humid today oh. uh, but yes and, and we had some threats of rolling blackouts yesterday that ended up being a he said she said type thing that farmers bill said ERCOT, ERCOT, whatever it is uh, wanted them to do rolling blackouts and then ERCOT said farmers bill made that up whatever and and all i know <laughs> power never went out but it did at bart's house and so i guess they did it uh, but we just weren't affected and i'm grateful for that because it was hot 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 yesterday and uh, nothing makes less sense to me than rolling blackouts but i'm neither a uh economist economist is a word i'm looking for neither are you a uh, dictionary apparently no neither so but anyway we're doing good we're about to go on vacation uh this weekend really kind of all weekend we've got some barbecue that we're going to have on friday true barbecue smoked brisket where caleb fleming's house Okay. up in sherman we're gonna eat on that and then saturday got a ball game we're going to rangers sunday yeah yeah it's kind of long uh but it's indoors and yep. it's all you can eat seats i'm just saying that is where it's at so here's so what you're gonna hate with all you can see seats is you can't see half the outfield yeah, that's true yeah. but you know what i'm sat there point, i'm looking down at my hot dog and nachos and hamburger i don't care uh, but we've got that, and then we're going to Great Wolf Lodge for a couple of days, and so looking forward to that. This will go live, I guess, uh, when we're on our way back. So, uh, anyway, we're doing good. Glad, glad to hear it. Alan, how are you? I am doing great. We are in the middle of archery camp at Centerville this week. We've been uh, teaching kids how to shoot bows and arrows and sharing the scriptures with them, sharing the gospel with them every night. And we got our tournament tonight. All the parents are going to come out and watch those kids um, shoot bow and arrows and they're going to compete for some prizes, and I get to share the gospel with all of them. So I am excited. It's been a good week. Well, it is vacation Bible school week here at Cliff Park Baptist Church. And because we're good Southern Baptists, we're doing Spark Studios because it is Spark Studios and Lifeway and all that good stuff. We had five children make a profession of faith yesterday. Uh, we've raised a ton of money for some uh, nonprofits in our area that we're doing. And uh, we'll have a VBS Sunday this coming Sunday. So as soon as we get done with this, I'm back out there uh, helping any way that I can help here at Vacation Bible School. But we got some other things to talk about first as we uh, bring you another episode of the Pilot Podcast. The first is an interesting article that we saw over at Baptist Press uh, that is titled, Churches Adjust as Talk of Recession, Inflation Impacts Ministry Costs. You can find that over on Baptist Press. We'll put it in the show notes. And we see... uh, um, a church in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, Inglewood Baptist, pastor by Chris Aiken, who was just talking about some of the real concerns their church has. Where giving is the same, that they're not losing money, but because of the cost has risen due to inflation, that is handicapping their ministry. Matt, you're a DOM. You're talking to churches all the time. Are you hearing this kind of stuff with the churches you work with? Yeah, that was one of the reasons that I, I thought we could talk about it, because I haven't had a conversation yet with a pastor really over the past few weeks that this wasn't part of our, our conversation. And one, just personally, you know, as they were talking about the difficulty and, you know, maybe 
money was already tight. You know, many of us are, are uh, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, making bank in our roles and we're already maybe paycheck to paycheck. But now when those paychecks kind of only cover about 80, 90 percent of your needs when you're buying gas and milk and bread and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, they were just sharing how they were struggling and looking at some side work and, and uh, you know, either their spouse getting a job or things like that, looking for ways to cost uh, cut costs. Uh, and then also seeing that at their churches. And and they some of them did note uh, that giving had declined a little bit. And, and when they, you know, kind of found out some of the reasons behind it, it was that same reason is, you know, we just are really struggling right now. And, uh, and this was just an area that we're, we're, you know, carefully trying to pull back just a little. And of course, that hurts to hear. But man, you know, at the end of the day, you got to keep your lights on. And uh, right now, that's kind of tough. And here in Texas, that's gone up big time. <laughs> and so our, our electric bill has gone from about 300 bucks to about 550 right now. And, uh, and so it's tough, you know, filling up a tank of gas went from about 20 bucks to about 50 bucks right now. And so, you know, that's one of those things that is hitting everybody in various ways. And uh, certainly in the churches uh, that, that we serve and, and this church was writing about, uh, of course, their, their food where they are feeding people. Uh, that's, that's an area where, of course, you're buying stuff and you're buying things that have been affected by inflation. And so you've budgeted, you know, a thousand bucks a month or something. Now the costs are, are going to be higher. And so you have to adjust along the way. And uh, so, yeah, I think churches are going to have to adjust uh, but we also see in here uh, maybe some hope in the article too that this is going to be one of those things that passes and kind of maybe self-corrects the uh, the market a little bit, and uh, so we'll see how that goes. What about Jay history Allen? says that will happen? Uh, yes. History says history, history can be made too where it doesn't happen. Yeah, I know here at our church, I mean, our giving is good, it's strong, uh, but we do know some folks have just told me, "Hey, pastor, but we we're tired, so we give based off of what we make on the market." And right now, we're not making any money on the market. In fact, we're losing money. And so I just want you to know, we haven't stopped giving, but we're just not giving as much as we maybe gave last year because the returns are just not. That's, that's a reality for a lot of churches. You have retired folks that give based off of money market accounts or whatever that is that they have, or IRAs. They're not making money right now. I mean, I've got a little, um, a little throwaway account. I throw $100 in it every month. And for the past seven months, that account has the same amount of money in it as it did seven months ago, because that $700 I put in has not gained me anything. It's just been throwing that money away. It seems like, of course, this is not the first time this has happened in history. Uh, CFO Bill Towns notes that um, we could see a decrease in the CP. It happened during the Great Depression. Uh, CP giving dropped by 19.57% in 1932. Um, And then... um, um, or, or sorry, at the beginning of the depression, and then in 1933 it dropped by 22 percent, and then the 1972 recession, CP dropped by 21 percent. We pray that doesn't happen because that affects our missionaries, that affects our seminaries, that affects our church planters, and they all have very real costs that they have to pay for and to rent spaces and to uh, do ministry. And we're we're seeing it here in our church things that we used to do at a certain number. That number has risen, and we want to continue to do those things, but we're having to evaluate everything just due to inflation. Alan, are y'all seeing that at Centerville? Yeah, you know, costs have gone up everywhere. I think we've established that clearly. And so, you know, we're having to make a lot of ministry evaluations, how we're going to pay for stuff, um, situations being tight, and, of course, getting tight on everybody. Um, but one of the things I've seen our folks do is a lot of people – 
uh, knowing how tight things are and how it's affecting giving, they've really been stepping up and kind of going above and beyond. Uh, not necessarily, you know, in the offering plate, but providing other things that we need, uh, other budgeted items instead of pulling out of the budget. Hey, I'll cover this. I'll cover that. Um, even with our archery camp folks uh, coming in, instead of pulling money out of the budget, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll buy we'll buy chips tonight, or we'll take care of the drinks, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's definitely affecting a lot. I saw um, one of our leaders, one of our team leaders with the state convention yesterday begging churches, like, if you can give your pastor and your staff a raise, there's 9.1% inflation, percent inflation. You know, the IRS this year, starting in July, increased their mileage. Uh, they, they've, like, never done that, increased mileage halfway through a year. It's always year by year. And so it's, um, I think everybody's really starting to feel this and, and trying to respond. Um, but that's difficult. I, I think none of us will know the big picture until we, you know, get to a year in as far as what CP stuff looks like on the state level and on the national level. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but God is always faithful. God is always faithful. And so I rest in that. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully gas will come down. Hopefully inflation will come down and hopefully CP giving will continue to rise. It's been a strong year. I know we're ahead of receipts. And so that's the positive. Uh, but certainly could decrease. Obviously, what we need to do is in the midterms uh, find a way to elect Bar- Barber as United States president. I know that he's not this not a election year for that, but uh, that would obviously fix all these issues. Uh, probably not, but who knows? All right, hey, our second topic here is Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, my beloved alma mater, uh, launches mandatory sexual abuse prevention. And response course. Danny Aiken, the president of Southeastern, says sexual abuse in any form should not be tolerated. It is a simple act against fellow image bearers and an affront to a holy God. Southeastern is committed to preventing sexual abuse and training students to respond well to survivors with proper care and advocacy. So now at Southeastern, all undergraduate students, graduate students, and advanced students will be required to complete a course on sexual abuse prevention and response in order to graduate from the seminary. The mandatory training courses will provide an overview of practical strategies for preventing and responding to sex abuse and will clarify biblical and theological foundations for caring well for survivors of abuse. This, to me, seems like something that every seminary should adopt in some form. This seems like Southeastern leading the way in, a, in, a, in a, something that needs to be led. What are your guys' thoughts on Southeastern starting this as a requirement to graduate from Southeastern? Yeah, I think that, as Aiken said, it, it's certainly timely in light of everything we've seen over the past few months and years uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, in, including, of course, that investigation, as, as we saw just that was one sliver and a small sliver of the Southern Baptist Convention because it was only focused on the executive committee. And so I think this is certainly timely and necessary. Uh, it's also heartbreaking that it is necessary. We wish this wasn't something we had uh, to do, certainly. Uh, but the reality is, um, you know, the, the breadth of that, as Aiken said, is undeniable in the SBC. And it's more widespread than we realized. And, and so they want this course to address that reality, help us to respond well. And that's one of the, you know, one of the things in, in looking at some of the, the issues we've had is, is, is also just the response, how we respond um, to, to things when we are alerted to something within our congregation, not something that maybe we have necessarily committed, but a, 
you know, a staff member or a Sunday school teacher, whatever it might be, knowing how to actually respond well as we care well and everything else. And so I think this is going to address all of that. And I think, as you said, it would be important for that to uh, to, to happen at all six of our seminaries. And, and I think even part of the training for church planters and, and missionaries, uh, it's, it's something that we need to uh, to address. And, and I, I like that Aiken ended it by saying, after reporting it to law enforcement, you can also send that email to reportabuse at sebts.edu. And that is monitored by the student life team. They're going to follow up, respond quickly, decisively, all of that. And so seems to be leading very well. And I hope many follow these steps as well. Alan, what are your thoughts? Well, my first thought is I'm not surprised that Danny Aiken is leading out on this, and that's a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see him leading out on this. Um, if there's one thing that I think we've learned from the uh, sex abuse task force that dealt with the executive committee is that we don't always know how to deal with this in the church. Um, <clears throat> even some of the, the Houston Chronicle reports from years ago, I think it's very evident that for the longest time, the church in large uh, not in entirety, has not known how to deal with these issues. And so having this available to teach future ministers, uh, future pastors, future uh, missionaries, church planners, those kinds of things, um, I think it'll be helpful moving forward. Um, I think this really is a, a pastoral theology issue because it's stuff that comes up. And uh, I, I hope that uh, not only do we see this move towards some of the other seminaries, um, but I'd like to see it available for our, our pastors and our churches to learn how to uh, better deal with this. Um, I'll be curious to see if this is like an hour credit, um, a three hour credit, if it'll be like the CP class that's required and how it's paid for and all of that. I'm curious to see how all that's going to unfold. We don't know that from the article right now, but um, I think it can certainly be helpful moving forward. This would be something neat to have accessible for those. Many of our pastors from the Baptist Convention have uh, not been to seminary. Maybe they went to Bible school. Many of them didn't even do that. And so I think this would be something that's important to have that's out there to address it. Now, our seminaries can use to equip everybody. Maybe make it a free course offering for anybody online to want to take it. Uh, Dr. Aiken said, as an institution, we recognize that fulfilling the Great Commission means teaching the whole counsel of God's word. It means teaching disciples of Jesus to obey the second great commandment of neighbor love. And what I would recommend to anybody listening to our podcast, if somebody comes to you in the midst of abuse, the first thing you should do is stop right there, call 911 and report the abuse that's taking place. Uh, even if the person comes back and says, no, I was just kidding. Uh, we don't know the circumstances. I would just recommend you you call 911 and report that. I mean, that's really your duty. In some of your states, like in Texas, uh, you have mandatory reporting laws, so you should be doing that regardless. Uh, but I think this is a great step forward uh, out of the guide, guide post report and everything that's been happening there. Anything else you guys want to add? Well, we normally don't let Matt lead the way on our Southern culture topic. And the reason for that is because it would just be a disaster every week. But I feel like we have to let him lead this week as he talks to us about cornbread spaghetti. Matt, take it away. Oh, man, this came across my feed somehow. I do not even know how. I don't know who shared it or whatever, but I immediately shared it with y'all because it looked like a pan of depravity that would get us talking about something. And it sounds as if it's baked spaghetti 
and then a layer of cornbread. It's what it sounds like. Cornbread spaghetti. You've got a layer. Or it was a cornbread baked spaghetti cornbread. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a bottom layer of the cornbread. You've got a layer of the spaghetti. You've got another layer of the cornbread. I don't see how this cooks correctly. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I will assure you that we are going to try it just to do it. Uh, and see what happens because that's not surprising at all. I know it's not surprising, but we're going to give it a shot. Uh, but I, I can't think of anything that would get y'all y'all more riled up than me calling a cookout a barbecue than sharing this photo with you of cornbread spaghetti. And, Matt, do you uh, put so, sugar in your cornbread? Do I put sugar in it? No, but yeah. I do use the the Jiffy uh, sweet mix or whatever. I don't add any sugar to it. Alan, Alan, what do you think about all this? I think that Matt's cornbread isn't cooked all the way in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, it looked like it was made with some Jiffy Mix cornbread as well, but I'm not surprised. Matt Hensley is the man who's almost there already because he takes hard shell, crunchy corn tortillas and puts spaghetti in it and does spaghetti tacos. Yes, I do. And so, uh, and probably put, you you know, I I guess you think spaghetti is a condiment sometimes. I don't know. Um, (laughs) It's a filling. We're having spaghetti for our tournament night tonight at archery camp. And if anybody thinks that we should put it in cornbread, we're going to practice church discipline. Um, That uh, it it just, it looks terrible. It sounds terrible. Uh, It's just a, a bad idea. Um, execution looks bad. It just, yeah, your your cornbread's not cooked in the middle. That's all I can say. I, I like cornbread. I don't really like spaghetti that much. I do like baked spaghetti, but I don't like spaghetti in general. It's just not my thing. Uh, but this comment, I wouldn't, I would, I would not even eat like cornbread on the side of spaghetti. Probably, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It, we should try it. We should all try it. Do what, Matt? Make some. Bring the leftovers over to the office one day. Okay. We'll have it for lunch, and we'll uh, video it. And, uh, you can you can film me uh, projectile vomiting. <laughs> off the what do you think? Here, here's the idea. What does what do you think Carolyn would think? I think Carolyn would be so disgusted uh, by this that she would call for a vote of no confidence. Uh, and me and for your association <laughs> that we would we might both be out of a job if, if she caught wind of this alrighty well, send well us friends out. thanks for joining us here at the potluck whether you're eating cornbread or spaghetti or cornbread spaghetti we hope that you have had your fill and you've had your full um, I hope that inflation for you tell us about it is it affecting your church uh, what are some things that you're doing to help offset the cost of inflation and let's take sex, report, uh, sex abuse very serious and how we report that. Thank you, Southeastern, for leading the way. Join us next time. Same Baptist time, same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends. <laughs>